this week's Adam Schefter podcast, at what is normally one of the quietest times of the NFL year, we're going to talk to one of the busiest men in the business, Ross Tucker, a man who played offensive line from 2001 through 2007, and now is the host of the Morning Kickoff with Ross Tucker on Sirius XM NFL Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, Ross Tucker. And I want to start out, Ross, because there are not many players who make the successful transition that you have playing in the NFL from 2001 through 2007 for the Redskins, Cowboys, Bills, Patriots, Browns, Redskins again, to go into media. And for those who don't know, obviously, you're on Sirius XM NFL Radio in the mornings, sidelines of Westwood One, NBC Sports Network, filling for the Dan Patrick Show. You're doing everything. How have you been able to make that transition so successfully from playing offensive line in the NFL to being an adept member of the NFL media? You know, I think, Adam, it probably goes back before that, just in the sense that this is kind of what I always wanted to do. You know, my dad is 5'9", 170 pounds. Oh, my kind of size. So, Love that, yeah. Yeah, so like, I never, never in my life, and I was a bigger kid, but I wasn't, you know, nobody ever looked at me and was like, he'll be 6'5", 320, playing offensive line in the NFL. Like, I was uh, probably similar to you, Adam. I mean, I, I consumed as much content as I could, especially written content. Like, when I was five, six, seven years old, I used to race my dad in the morning to get the Reading Eagle newspaper. It's an hour west of Philadelphia, Reading, Pennsylvania, home of Kerry Collins, Danielle Marshall, Lenny Moore, uh, Chad Henney's playing right now. Lonnie Walker's the first round pick in, in the NBA draft. I actually played basketball with his dad, so it's kind of funny. Um, but I used to race my dad for the sports section, and I loved it. I, I, I would read the entire sports section, and it's funny because the same guys that are the Eagles and Penn State beat writers now, yeah. they were you. the Eagles and Penn State beat writers back in 85, 86. So I've told them this story. So I, I just, I loved it. And I always wanted to write, especially, or work for ESPN. So I, got, I thought, Adam, that I would go to Syracuse and then try to be a writer for Sports Illustrated. Like when I was in high school, they would only store the Sports Illustrated's at the school library for 10 years. So when I'm like 14 years old in 93 and they're getting rid of the 1983 Sports Illustrated, they knew I wanted them and they would give them to me. So they gave me the 83 Sports Illustrated and I would like read through them. I don't know if that means I'm a nerd or what, but I I would read through them. And then I actually became, you know, the, the, the sports editor of the high school newspaper. Uh, which worked out pretty well. Like when I was, I think I was in eighth grade and they let me be the, cause our, our school was seven through 12. So I think in eighth grade, they let me be the sports editor for the high school newspaper. And then ninth grade, it was still going well. 10th grade, it was getting a little bit iffy cause I was kind of on the teams and in 11th and 12th grade, I was like, you know, the best player, one of the best players on the team. So then I had to switch over and, I had to do. I had to write the articles for soccer and wrestling because it would be a conflict of interest to be writing the football and basketball articles anymore. So the answer to your question is it's because that's what I always wanted to do, and I just was a late bloomer, became a much better player than I ever thought I'd be. You know, I, I was just thrilled that football 
helped me go to Princeton. I couldn't believe that, that football could help me go to schools like Princeton or Harvard. I was amazed that, that that was an option for me. I went to Princeton. And then what's weird there is nobody really talks about the media. So I accepted a job on, on Wall Street. And actually, I would have been, I would have been downtown uh, at Lehman Brothers on, on 9-11, which I know you're intimately familiar with, Adam. My, my, my wife at the time was down there. Mm-hmm. I would have been there. That was actually my wife's first day of work for J.P. Morgan was September 11th, if you can believe that. Downtown. Downtown. She was in, I forget which one of the towers that the train goes into. Right. Um, but one of the towers, the train goes into it, and she was there uh, until like 8.30, and her orientation or whatever didn't start till 9, and then she walked over. Um, so she was not in one of the two buildings when they were hit, but she was, in, she was in the building next door, and they had him just stay in the basement of the building. Wow. Um, and she just sat there with other kids who was their, their 22 years old, first day of their new job, and she really thought that that might have been the end. I mean, she's, she could tell the story much more so than I can, but she was very, very concerned. Ultimately, somehow, you know, got to um, – the river and they were taking people on boats. She was living in Hoboken at the time and they were taking people on boats over back to, to, to Jersey. And somehow my father-in-law, um, you know, had a buddy who lived in Jersey that he drove around detours. Mm -hmm. He drove over curbs to pick my wife up and drive her back to central Pennsylvania, um, where she's from. Meanwhile, Adam, it's a, it's a Tuesday. Yep. After the first game, I had made the Redskins as a rookie, and I had my guy. That was literally the day that the guy came from the uh, from Comcast to hook up my TV. So I'm there, and the and the cable guy comes in. He's like, "Did you hear what happened?" I said, "No." You know, it's 2001. I don't have a TV oh, yeah, yet. Yeah, different world. He he hooks up my TV, Adam. on the TV, and I sit there with the cable guy for an hour and a, he didn't leave. He didn't leave. We just sat there on my couch, cable guy and me, watching what was going on. And, of course, I'm trying to call my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time. No cell service is going through. And over 50% of my college friends work on Wall Street and finance in New York. So I'm calling. Them. I don't know what building they work in. I don't know. And they, they all have their own stories as well. So, anyway... I would have been down there. I don't know where Lehman Brothers was located, but I would have been down there. Thankfully, even though I accepted a job with, with Lehman Brothers, the um, the Redskins signed me. Marty Schottenheimer, as an undrafted free agent, I made the team, played for a while. But even when I was playing at them, I always did internships for, like, uh, Merrill Lynch and Roger Stallback's commercial real estate yeah. company. Like, I, I kind of – I don't want to say I lost interest in the media, but – Every guy that's in a locker room says, I'm going to be a broadcaster. and I'm going to get in the media. And so I just kind of thought, all right, well, I went to Princeton. If everybody else says they're going to be a broadcaster, I'll, I'll do something else. And I saw that the best jobs truly did go to the guys typically that, that were the Hall of Fame caliber players, and I wasn't expecting to be that. And then the NFL had a broadcasting boot camp. Yep. I went there, and before my last year, I didn't know it would be my last year. It went well, and I, I saw Peter King. You'll appreciate this, Adam. I'm walking out of Redskin Park, 
and I look over and I see Peter King. It's April of 2007. He was in Washington for the draft. And I look over and I see him. And I always had this idea. I love writing. Like at Princeton, all I did was write papers. So I walk out of the building. I thought, no, you know what? I'm going to say something to him. So I walk back in the building, into the media room, which like players don't do that, like the media workroom. And I said, hey, Peter, I'm, I'm Ross Tucker. I just want to introduce myself. You know, I read your stuff all the time. I read everybody. But nobody that writes actually played. And my idea is when I'm done, I want to write. Like, I, I want to write about what it's really like. He loved it. I ended up, he said, take notes. Because I told him I was on the bubble. I ended up hurting my neck. C5, C6, bruised my spinal cord on the wedge on the kickoff return. My career was over. And Peter had me write Monday morning quarterback that week. And between that and the broadcast boot camp, I'm on injured reserve, Adam, for the Redskins, and I got four job opportunities like Comcast, Sirius XM, all because I went to the boot camp and Peter let me write Monday Morning Quarterback. So it's it's not really the typical media career that you write one thing, and I had like four or five job offers like within that week. But, you know, I, I think, Ross, people don't understand. There's no right or wrong path that people take. And you're talking earlier on about – uh, the Reading newspaper and Sports Illustrated, and I used to wait in my house for Newsday and the New York Times to come every day and would read them front to back and couldn't wait for my dad to come home. And I would say, you're not going to believe who the Yankees or Knicks are trading for. And even back then, I loved it. And in my room, my bedroom growing up, Ross, my walls were covered with my favorite Sports Illustrated covers. And I would read every issue front to back. And when I was in college... I wrote to all those people asking for advice and got letters back from the greatest writers known to mankind, Gary Smith and Tom Verducci, and Rick Riley became a good friend of mine over time, and I idolized these people. But I want to get back to the 9-11 thing for one moment. Do you think that if you hadn't made the Redskins in 2001, that you might have been working for Lehman Brothers in the World Trade Center at that time? Well... So if I hadn't signed with the Redskins, I definitely would have been working for Lehman Brothers because I accepted the job offer, and it was a really good job. It's amazing. Some of the jobs they'll, they'll give you right out of school if you go to a school like that. I would have been there. Now, if I had just gotten cut, that would have been like August 31st, and I had actually, after I got signed by the Redskins, I had deferred it for a year. So I would not have been working in September 11th if I got cut, but if I had never gotten signed and I was a bottom of the barrel prospect, I I got a 0.0 signing bonus. I got nothing. I was just, I was just thrilled that I got an opportunity. If I had never gotten signed, which was a distinct possibility, a thousand percent, I would have been working for Lehman brothers. The other thing I think about too, Adam, not to go too much down the finance rabbit hole, but if I never played in the NFL, I would have signed with Lehman. I would have worked for Lehman Brothers, and I probably would have worked my butt off and, you know, hopefully had some success or whatever for six, seven years. And then 2008 is when Lehman Brothers went belly up. So, I mean, September 11th is one thing. And the second thing is I would have worked my whole career to build up stock options and all that stuff and then have it all come crashing down in a matter of a couple of days because I would have been with Lehman Brothers, which which went belly up. So it's kind of crazy the way things work. It's funny because the following year, I called them to to, um, 
to defer it again. So I made the Redskins as a rookie, and I had deferred my Lehman Brothers. The second year, Steve Spurrier comes in, and I'm starting in the preseason. So I call Lehman Brothers, and I and I defer it again. And they're like, Ross, we just saw you on TV the other night. Like, we don't need, you don't need to keep deferring it. We have you in our system. If you want a job when you're done, just let us know. But you don't have to you don't have to call up every year and defer. But that was that was my mindset, Adam. Of like, this is all just a temp job. It's one year at a time. It could very easily be done at any point because injury or they cut me or whatever. And I didn't want to lose that Lehman Brothers yeah, job. Yeah. We'll be back in a moment with more of my conversation with Ross Tucker. But first, I want to tell you about Peter Millar. Recently, I've been receiving my style tips from the clothing experts at Peter Millar. If you're a golfer like me, you know the name. If you don't, you should, because Peter Millar is all about quality, value, and style. It's the most comfortable clothing I've worn. Right now, I'm wearing their five-pocket pants. What I love about these Peter Millar pants is they offer so much comfort and style, no matter what I'm doing. They're lightweight, highly breathable, made from the highest quality Pima cotton, and have comfort stretch for ease of movement. Always key. They fit like your favorite jeans with the style to be worn anywhere. They have Peter Millar's exclusive wash and finish to enhance the softness. They can be worn year-round, and since they're machine washable, they're easy to take care of. I never have to worry about what to wear on any occasion. Peter Millar is my go-to clothing for vacation, work events, the golf course, and even working out. The five-pocket pants I'm wearing are the most comfortable pants I've worn. I can say that about everything I've worn from Peter Millar. And right now, you can head over to PeterMillar.com slash AS to check out some of my Peter Millar favorites. Be sure to use my link and you'll receive complimentary shipping and a free hat. That's Peter Millar, M-I-L-L-A-R.com slash AS. PeterMillar.com slash AS. I also want to tell you about hymns. Guys, here's the problem. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. The thing is, when you start to notice hair loss, it's too late. It's easier to keep the hair you have than replace the hair you've lost. Is that hairline slowly starting to move backwards? Any bald spots yet? How will you feel a year from now if it's business as usual up there? I ask you, do you want a bald spot to pop up or do you want to do something about it first? Why do guys turn to weird solutions or do nothing when they can turn to medicine and science? Well, here's the solution. 4 a one-stop shop hair loss, skin care, and other wellness supplements for men. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. Well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. These aren't snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. They're prescription solutions backed by science. No waiting rooms, no awkward doctor visits. Save hours by going to 4 It's easy. You just have to answer a few quick questions, and a doctor will review and can write you a prescription. The products are shipped directly to your door. Order now. My listeners get a trial month of Hims for just $5 right now while supplies last. See websites for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. Go to Hims.com slash A-S. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash A-S. For Hims.com slash A-S. Life is amazing like that, right? Like you could look at everything. I look at my job, my current job, my wife, um, you know, our daughter. I mean, you know, the story I tell, 9-11, Ross, to go back to that for a moment. You know, my daughter, when she saw 
we did a piece on the 15th anniversary of 9-11, a tribute to my wife's late husband. Um, my daughter saw that, which we had never discussed 9-11 with her, and she, she watched it for the first time, and she thought the piece was about our family. She was all excited, and then her smile and excitement turned to complete sadness as she watched the piece, and she was just baffled that people could fly planes into buildings and kill people, and she didn't understand it, and, and I had to explain to her. I said it was a very bad thing, and there are bad people in the world, but think about it this way, Dylan, that if that day didn't happen, you wouldn't be here. And she looked at me, and she said, well, why couldn't Mom have just had me with Joe? Good point. Good question there, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, the, the, the questions you get from the kids are amazing. But the the situations in life that come up are really amazing. How do you, what made your wife get out of the basement that day? Do you know? And I, I, we will, maybe we will get her on the podcast at some point, but what made her go from a holding area to fleeing the building? I think one of her superiors finally said, um, let's, let's get out of here. Let's go. Let's get out of here. So she, when she got out of there, she was in all the, um, like the the smoke and the smut and all that stuff. And you have to understand, Adam, my wife is from really rural central Pennsylvania. Her family has a a family propane business, but there's nothing within 35 minutes of her house that you've ever heard of, right? So Mm -hmm. no stoplights, no McDonald's, no subway Subject. Like people don't understand, and I appreciate it more being married to her and, and even living in central Pennsylvania now. Now, we live in Harrisburg, Hershey, which is the state capital, and Hershey's, Hershey's. But there are so many more places of our country like that that people don't realize that that's their normal, that that's, that's what it's like. So picture growing up in that environment going to, you know, bucolic, you know, Bucknell University, which is also in central Pennsylvania, and then your first day wow. at your job wow. in New York. I mean, she was she was traumatized to the point where she did not work for a couple months, and then when she came back, they had some kind of office in, like, Wilmington, Delaware, and they sent her there for three months because she was really, you know, she was really kind of shook up and – you can understand why first day in New York city. Yeah. And that's the experience. That's and, and don't get me wrong. My wife loves New York city. We go there as often as we can, but it was a very, very, very traumatic experience. And, and first day, and I would have been, you know, I think my first day would have been right around there with her. I would have been down. I mean, I have, can't tell you how many stories I have of college teammates, Adam, that, they worked for Morgan Stanley and they were on the 55th floor and you know, the first, the first building got hit and they could, they could feel something. And the loudspeaker came across and said, there's a minor issue in the other building. Everything's okay. Go back to work. That's the, that's what the loudspeaker said in the second building to get hit. They said, well, something minor happened in the first building, nothing to be alarmed about. But fortunately, his boss was was there when um, the bombing had happened, you know, however many years earlier. You know, there was a bombing down there, too, you know, I don't know, 10 years earlier or something like that. Yep. So um, his boss had been a part of that. His boss said, no, guys, get out of here. Mm-hmm. So from the 55th floor, he starts going down the steps, running down the steps. His 
Mom calls him because she's seeing this on the news. He's talking to his mom on the phone at about the 25th floor, walking down the steps orderly when his mom says, oh, my gosh, Chuck, it's coming for your building. (laughs) And the second plane hit the building he was in. As he's walking down on the 25th floor, he gets knocked down. Cell phone reception goes dead. And then they get up and he sprints the west of the way to 25 floors and is able to get out of the building, which would not have probably not have happened if his boss hadn't said after the loudspeaker, no, 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 get going. I don't like this. Start going down the steps right now. You know, there are, I mean, look, we lost 3,000 plus lives that day. Um, There are 3,000 stories and there are stories of people who didn't go to work that day. And there are stories of the families who lost their lives, and and that's 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 the world I live in, you know. I I know that very well. But it's it's always amazing; it never gets old to hear somebody else's version of that day and everything that they went through, including your wife here, which is really remarkable in its own way that that could be your first day of work. Did you lose any friends that day, Russ? I did not. I, I was fortunate. I definitely lost classmates. Um, but I, I did not lose any close friends, and I did not lose any teammates. And remember, you know, I had my mom call me, Adam, because then the Pentagon got hit. Yeah. And my mom didn't know where the Washington Redskins were. I mean, she knew it was the D.C. area somewhere, but she called me to say, how, how close are you to the Pentagon? Oh. I was like, far, Mom. I'm out in Virginia. northern Virginia, you know. But she, she, she was worried because she didn't know, you know. She knew it was the Washington Redskins. I don't know if she knew where I was in Virginia or whatever. So it was just a a very, very, very scary time. I remember them canceling the game that weekend. Yeah, I actually went home, um, and I was actually able to meet up with my wife back in, in my hometown of Reading, Pennsylvania. I went to a high school game. Um, and I remember the next game we played after that was a Monday night game against the Packers and just how emotional it was. Uh, the Packers had a linebacker. I think his name was like Chris Gizzy or Guzzy. Chris, the Air Force the Academy. Air Force. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And Chris, he yep. ran out of the tunnel first with the, with the flag. And we were all on, I mean, I was inactive, but even the guys playing, like everybody was on the verge of losing. It was just, you know, holding that we all went with the, with the um, first responders and we were in the middle of the field holding the flag. And it was a very, very, emotional time. I mean, it almost reminded me of, you know, you always see the Whitney Houston singing the national anthem. Yeah. It was that kind of a, and I remember, I remember, you know, I went to see coach Schottenheimer. I, I don't remember what I had to ask him, but I said, coach, is, is it okay? I, I had to ask him something. Adam. I don't know if I wanted to get, I, I don't know what it was, but I told him, I said, do you know when we're able to leave this weekend? My, my girlfriend was, was in September 11th. And he was like, Oh my word! Because he he thought you know maybe she had passed away. I was like, no, no, she's she's okay. She's like, I, I just want to go see her. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it was. Well, I mean, obviously, we've never experienced anything else like it. Well, you know, you're 39, going to be 40 years old in March, right? And yeah, I'm 51. Can you remember a single event in your lifetime that was more impactful, significant, devastating than 9/11 to you? Anything? No, I, I don't know anybody that doesn't know where they were on yeah. September oh, yeah. 11th when they found out. And I don't know, I, like I try to think about other things that might compare or other times like, 
where were you when this happened? And I, I can't think of anything else. I got, that, I got, I got Columbine, that, so. Columbine in 1999 when I was living in Colorado. The space shuttle Challenger blowing up in 85 when I was a freshman at the University of Michigan. I can remember Ronald Reagan, the attempted assassination of him. I, I have one, Adam. I, I thought of one. Go ahead. O.J. Simpson, white well, Bronco. Yeah, well, no, that that was, but yeah, listen, that that was unbelievable in its own way. But I, I could never even compare that to nine eleven. Just no, no, I'm just talking about. I'm talking about. Like I, I remember where I was when it happened. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm trying to think of things where I can legitimately. I was at my buddy Scotty's house. I was like, I don't know, sixth grade. We were watching the NBA Finals or something, or NBA playoffs. And that's the only other thing I can think of. Like, I don't remember where I was for Columbine, or I, I remember the, the the spaceship. I don't remember where I was. Um, I think I was just home for that. But yeah, it's. Um, it's, it's remarkable. Well, let's turn our attention to the upcoming season, Ross. NFL training camps are going to be getting underway here pretty soon. I'd like you to give me, <laughs> we're going to be shooting from the hip here a little bit, your offensive rookie of the year and your defensive rookie of the year. And we're going to start there. Well, I think it's really hard to go against. I, I haven't seen like the Vegas odds or whatever um, for the offensive rookie of the year. But it's probably pretty hard to go against Saquon yeah. Barkley. I, I think the Giants are going to be much improved. You still have Odell Beckham Jr., so they still have to. He, he will still dictate coverage. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I think it's going to be really favorable for Barkley. And let's be honest, Adam, they didn't pass up Bradley Chubb and, and all these quarterbacks right. to not utilize yeah. Saquon Barkley in a major, major way. Yeah, you know what's interesting so, about it? I'm in New York, yeah. Ross, and I get asked all the time about Saquon Barkley, and the Giant fans are enamored with the pick, and they should be for right now, and we think that Saquon Barkley is going to be an unbelievable pro. But this is a pick that I think will be judged over the next 12 years, and I think it will be judged on the basis of how Sam Darnold does. Because if Sam Darnold turns out to be what the Jets think and hope he is, then I don't know how great a pick that was, no matter how good Saquon Barkley is. That would be an interesting exercise to say, okay, Let's say Sam Darnold becomes, um, let's say he becomes Philip Rivers, mm-hmm. right? Like a, a, a yeah. great quarterback that maybe doesn't have the ultimate success, maybe isn't a Hall of Famer, but is a franchise quarterback. But Saquon Barkley becomes a Hall of Fame caliber running back. <laughs> the reality is Sam Darnold still would have been a better pick because yeah. the, the, the Giants would have had – a franchise quarterback for 15 years. You, 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 you Look, if you hit on a quarterback early on as a rookie, you get the quarterback, you secure the position for the next dozen-plus years, and you get the benefits of having a quarterback under a rookie contract and not having to pay Matt Ryan or Aaron Rodgers or Andrew Luck or Derek Carr. Huge advantage for anybody that nails a quarterback in the draft. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. I, I, I I'm with you. I totally think... Um, that's why I thought it was a surprise. I really thought, Adam, when Baker Mayfield went one, I really thought that the Giants were going to take Darnold too. But they stuck with their guns with Saquon Barkley. As for defensive rookie of the year, I've got two that come to mind. It's probably going to surprise you okay. a little bit. But the two that come to mind for me are both in the SEC. They both played in the national championship game. Roquan Smith from Georgia. Yep. 
And Minka Fitzpatrick from Alabama. Roquan was drafted number eight for the Bears. Minka Fitzpatrick, 11 for the Dolphins. I just think Roquan Smith is going to be an impact run-and-hit linebacker on, again, a, a significantly improved team. I think their defense will be better. They're already pretty good defensively, but I think they'll be even better defensively. And I think Roquan Smith will be, you know, one of the keystones of that defense. And then Minka Fitzpatrick, to do what he did as a true freshman at Alabama and all of the game-changing, difference-making plays that he made as a second-year guy at Alabama, I think he has a chance to be that kind of player, Swiss Army knife kind of player for the Dolphins. So I know a lot of people go Bradley Chubb. or I really think Chubb's going to rotate with other people. I think Minka Fitzpatrick and Roquan Smith are full-time players that have a great chance to be defensive rookie of the year. You know, the Dolphins could have taken the Saints offer and traded out of that spot and gotten all those picks that the Packers did. But they liked Minka Fitzpatrick enough to stay there and pick that guy. So that is a point to what you're saying, that they think that this guy is going to be a great player. We know he's got high character, and we'll see how that pick works out. Okay, give me your Super Bowl for the upcoming season and who wins it. I know that there's not a lot of pressure or anything in that prediction, Ross. <laughs> um, I'm going to go. So I, I think that the Eagles have a very good chance to repeat. And I, I'm from outside of Philadelphia, as I said. Um, and I also think the Patriots, they're always in the mix, as we know. But I just, I have to think, I feel like a bunch of years in a row, Adam, yeah. I have predicted Steelers and Packers because I keep looking at Aaron Rodgers and I keep looking at Ben Roethlisberger and Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. I think they got to break through and get back one of these. Times. I think it's one of the great untold stories is that, what, are we coming up on year nine yeah. since either the Steelers or the Packers have even gotten to the Super Bowl, let, let alone won it, even gotten to it with all the talent that the Steelers have and, and Packers having Aaron Rodgers, arguably the best quarterback in his prime. So on the AFC side – I'm going to go with the Steelers. I'm going to say they bounce back. They get the monkey off their back, and they figure it out. On the NFC side, I like the Minnesota Vikings. I think the Vikings are very talented. They've got most of their best players in their prime. I think they've upgraded a quarterback, even though Keenum played well, and I think it's their time. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Patriots and Eagles again, but I just think it's hard to pick the Patriots to go to a third straight Super Bowl and fourth in five years, and just repeating is hard. The Eagles have had a bunch of guys having surgery and all that stuff. So I'll go Vikings-Steelers in the Super Bowl. Well, that's that would not be a shock at all. I, I think that there are a lot of great teams here. The NFC is stacked. Uh, rarely have we seen that conference this strong with so many good teams. You could pick a half dozen teams easy in the NFC and make a legitimate case for them to go to the Super Bowl. And the AFC's got some quality teams as well. Ross... Listen, my apologies for not getting you on sooner. We're going to do this again. You have my word on that as well. Uh, we're going to make you a more regular guest on the Adam Schefter Podcast. Great storyteller, fantastic insight, and you've done a great job on the radio. I love listening to you in the morning. I've told you that before, but you've done a tremendous job transitioning to the media world and are one of the leading voices in our industry, and I appreciate you joining us today, Russ. Wow, Adam, that means a lot coming from you. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate every time... You come on my podcast as well. It's it's obviously huge, and 
I really enjoyed it. It's amazing. I said, what are the topics? And you said, oh, we'll just be conversational. <laughs> it was, it, it, this is the cool part about a podcast, isn't it, Adam? That we had no idea the road that we were just going to go on. I mean, I think my buddy Chuck will be surprised when he finds out his name got a shout-out on the uh, Adam Schefter podcast. <laughs> well, make sure Chuck is listening. Make sure your wife is listening. And we will do this again, Ross. Thank you very much. Sounds great. Thank you. What a great story. What a great storyteller. Ross Tucker. We've been talking about having him on this podcast for weeks, months now. Finally did it. And now that we have, I can assure you this. Ross Tucker will be back on the Adam Schefter podcast with those great stories, great opinions about the upcoming NFL season. That's a wrap for this week, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Adam Schefter podcast. We're going to take off next week to celebrate Independence Day, the upcoming holiday. We hope everybody has a safe, happy, and healthy holiday. And we'll be back July 9th with another edition of the Adam Schefter podcast. Happy July 4th, everybody. 